Well, hello there, Creative Queso podcast listeners. As always, I am pumped that you are here hanging out with me today. Oh, and who is me? Well, I am your host, Jennifer Perkins. When I'm not creating content for places like HGTV or pom-pom bombing trees for Austin City Limits, yes, it's a thing, or maybe making DIY videos for Plaid Crafts, I'm here with you hosting my latest endeavor, the Creative Queso Podcast. I am learning so much about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business, and I really hope that you guys are too. I got to tell you, today's episode, it blew my mind a little bit. I know that term is overused, but I'm telling you people, you will soon see what I mean. Today's guest is Nicole Snow, and she is not your typical crafty business owner. Where some people are happy to make a little extra spending money with their side hustle, her company, Darn Good Yarn, brought in over $7 million last year. Yes, I said million. Darn Good Yarn has been named one of Inc. Magazine's top 5,000 fastest growing companies for the second year in a row. And the best part is, is that Darn Good Yarn also has an amazing mission statement to start at love. Owner Nicole Snow is just as passionate and knowledgeable about business as she is about giving back. It all started with a ball of recycled silk scarf yarn from India, and from there, her company and their mission of sustainability, creating jobs and opportunities for underserved communities, and doing right by the world was born. Nicole is not just doing good in countries like India and Nepal. Here at home, when Nicole is not taking time from her busy schedule as a mother and an entrepreneur to talk with people like me, she is running out the door to mentor other women who run their own small businesses. Nicole says, I am really in love with the idea of getting women in particular fired up about starting businesses that are out to make a change in the world while still making money for themselves and their families. I am not often at a loss for words, but Nicole is so eloquent and passionate about her business and the ethics behind it, I almost felt starstruck and tongue-tied during this interview. Darn Good Yarn can now count me as a hardcore fangirl, and guess what? You can be too. Listeners of the Creative Queso podcast can use coupon code CREATIVEQUESO10, that's all smashed together in one word, until the end of March 2019, and you can get a ball of yarn free in their month of the yarn club so be sure to go over and take that opportunity you know and I was thinking about this listening to podcasts really are perfect for those who knit and crochet am I right or am I right all right let's grab that ball of recycled sari yarn and let's get into this episode All right. Hello, Nicole. And thank you so much for being a guest today. Again, I'm like super stoked. And I love your Instagram so much. You have a new um, cyber stalker. Oh, thank you. You're awesome. Yeah, I was so excited to like find you and find your yarn. I'm not much of a, I don't like, I always joke and say that I don't knit or crochet, but I use like more yarn than anyone I know. Like, and I'm, and I'm friends with professional knitters. Like Vicki Hal is like my neighbor and like, co-girl scout leader so I know yarn people but I use a lot of yarn and yours is so so pretty thank you yeah Vicky's the bomb man Shout out yeah <laughs> yeah she's awesome all right so 
I kind of gave an intro before we got started, but give us kind of the darn good yarn summary. And, you know, if you were just describing it to someone who'd never heard of you, like, what would you say about your company? Yeah. So, well, amazingly, Darn Good Yarn is almost an 11-year-old company, which is totally weird and creepy to me because I'm <laughs> Um, And so, like, I'm getting to that point in my life where, like, you know, I have friends that I've had for 20 years now. I'm like, oh, my God. Now <laughs> I, I think we're going down the other side of the mountain. But, um, yeah, Darn Good Yarn has been around for 11 years. We started out as um, – it was a weird idea I started out of my guest bedroom, focusing on recycled silk yarns. Um, originally, I was I learned how to knit – while I started Darn Good Yarn. And I realized very quickly that the women that were making our yarns and our ribbons, um, this was sort of their side hustle, making this yarn. I was importing it out of India. Um, and I said, man, I think I can kind of create stable jobs for them. So they were kind of piecing together. Like they had a lot of side hustles going on um, in some areas that are actually pretty dangerous um, in India and Nepal. And I wound up... Um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to use Darn Good Yarn as a conduit to try to create sustainable employment um, through the manufacturing and creation of recycled silk yarns, recycled silk ribbons, and then we have a clothing and accessory line as well. Um, and so the cool thing about our yarns is that if you're into like organic, kind of really cool, funky materials and mediums, like this is the company that people go to. Um, so you get things that are super multicolored and I mean, I, I love it. And it hides mistakes really well, too. <laughs> I always enjoy that. That's an added bonus. Yeah, it's like gorgeous. Like if you're like, I mean, I'm I'm that person that loves color and I always love gr like variegated yarns. And mm -hmm. so yours is like that to like the extreme plus like, you know, doing good for the planet and for other people. So it's like it's everything. It's perfect. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we, we, I always am amazed by the stat that we've saved over 2 million pounds of material waste from just heading into landfills or just being dumped and disposed of. And we reclaim that and then turned it into crafting material. And like, I always think back to like these sort of heirloom crafts, like rug hooking and quilting. Originally that, like, it's not like people were going to Michael's or something like that in their wagons heading out West. It's they uh -huh. were like the crafting really came from this idea of repurposing. So I feel like it's getting back to like the root of what crafting is all about. Yeah, no, it's going kind of back to the the core principles of like you used to like knit a blanket because you were cold and not like for a hobby. And like if you wanted wool, like you went out and you like found it and made it yeah. into yarn. Exactly. I love that about it. So how did you, you know, parlay this? Like at what point were you like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make this like knitting hobby of mine into you know, kind of trying to save the world one ball of yarn at a time or, you know, provide these jobs for all these, you know, people and women in these other countries? Like, was there like a big moment or pivot or, you know, that you were just like, hey, I should be doing this part too? Yeah. You know, it happened pretty soon when I started Darn Good Yarn. So I had a small, a small little import business before Darn Good Yarn like came into existence. And it was more of this, I was trying to create this like online hippie shop. Like we've all been in them where they're selling like prayer flags and incense. And I, I always have loved those stores. So I wanted to make an online presence like that. And it was through those networks, I found out about recycled silk and I was learning how to knit at the time. And I said, so then I started Darn Good Yarn just sort of as like a sister brand to what I was actually doing. Um, and it was when I started to order more yarn um, because I was working with my suppliers to say like, this is what really a consumer needs. Recycled silk has had a bad rap for a long time. Like if it's processed, 
incorrectly. It smells like someone rubbed it under their armpit. Like there were real, <laughs> there were areas of concern with recycled silk. So I, I remember in the early days, people were like, yeah, I tried recycled silk a couple of years ago and it really sucked. So um, thanks, but no thanks. And so I was working with these vendors and saying, hey, like we have to actually really up the quality of what we're doing. So when I started to figure out that side and then the demand just started to naturally pick up the lead times for me to actually get product out of India, out of Nepal, were starting to increase. And that's when I started asking the questions like, what's going on here? Like, isn't there like a recycled silk factory? Like I didn't have the knowledge myself. And then I started piecing together that this was, these were just side hustles for women. Like they were harvesting part of the year in fields. Um, they were rolling um, cigarettes. So they were getting, they were dealing with like nicotine poisoning, like other parts of the year. And then they were spinning this yarn at their homes. Um, other parts of the year. So it wasn't really a sustainable supply from a business side. So I said, that's when I was like, you know what, wait, I want to do this crafting thing, but I want to also make this very impactful so that people can, and especially women can stay home with their children and they can, um, they can make this yarn. They can supply such a cool item to, you know, our craft market. And then, um, and then it'll be a sustainable, safe employment opportunity for them. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I love the idea of being able to use this beautiful yarn and kind of, you know, feel like you're doing like crafts for a cause. Like, you know, yeah. like you're also like doing something great and wonderful. I think that's, it's an amazing business model that's obviously worked well for you. Now, had I know that you had been in the Air Force before. Had you traveled to those places before you got started with your business and or had you never like been until you got started with the yarn company? I had never been until I got started with the, uh, with my company. Okay. I didn't know if like, you know, you'd seen, sorry, <laughs> it had inspired all of those things. So no, I mean, like I've been like, I, I'm a, I was a crafty kid. Like I was the one driving my mom nuts and she was like, okay, Nicole, enough with the glue in the kitchen. Like <laughs> need to go in the basement or something like I was. And I think probably a lot of your listeners <laughs> can like sort of go back to that place. Like I, I've always been a really crafty person. Um, so, you know, the sights and smells and textures that I always saw come out of India, always the most interesting textiles to me personally. So I was just drawn to that side of the world. And then in terms of having the most impact with my buying capability as a small business owner, that I had the best reach in India. So my dollar could make a lot more jobs and a lot more opportunity in India than it could in other regions of the world. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of uh, saris, which I know is kind of how you got started with the the sari yarn, I was, you know, looking through your website and the term like darn good yarn is almost like it's not a misnomer, but you guys sell all kinds of stuff. Now you have clothing, jewelry, journals. So, you know, what made you decide to like branch out and how are those other things going? Like, are, is it transitioning well from like yarn to journals to clothing, you know, and accessories? Yeah, so um, we have even we even have a monthly subscription as well uh, for mm -hmm. a month. Um, they've all done incredibly well. We've brought we brought them on because again, the whole idea of Darnie Yarn was to create the sustainable employment chain. So when I was over there, um, over in India, it was probably like five years ago. I realized, and we were I was really just focused, and it was I was a solopreneur for a really long time. So probably up until about five years ago. Um, so I was over in India. And I realized that the women that were um, in one specific co-op, they had great sewing capabilities. They were making our ribbon. So it's sewn end to end. And that's, and that's how you make the ribbon versus like 
you know, just more of a continuous, uh, more commercially available ribbon, just sort of an idea there. Mm-hmm. And um, like, man, like these guys can sew. Okay, how can I leverage this so that we can do more good with them? Um, and clothing was the natural next answer. So our skirts actually represent over 70% of our um, of our revenue. And people are like, what? That's crazy. But the thing is, like, we all craft, but we all wear clothes as well. So there's a lot of overlap with that. So that's gone really well for us. And it's created a ton of new jobs. Um, the same thing with, like, even our monthly subscription. We have a $10 Yarn of the Month Club. And it's to just, just to get people, like, crafting on a monthly basis. They're not big projects. They're really small. You can get them done in a couple of hours. But, again, it's just sort of that idea to, like, get people interested, get them like working with really cool colors and textures and then move on with their day. Yeah. Kind of a a gateway drug to other bigger, bigger, more elaborate projects. I like it. Yeah. And it it makes total sense because the craft supplies you gravitate towards. I mean, I know for me, like, like I was saying, variegated, colorful yarn. Mm -hmm. I also tend to want a wardrobe that looks like that. So I could totally see where the two would go together. Like if you like that kind of yarn, you probably also like a skirt that's in this, a similar vein. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's fascinating that that's like such a large part of your, your business. Now I suddenly feel like I need to go shop for skirts. <laughs> you, come visit us. you come visit us up in New York and we'll take you on a shopping spree. Right. I know. Now I really want to go. So you mentioned India and then you, you kind of said Nepal. Are those the two main countries that you source from and work with? Are there any other places? Yeah, currently those are our, our major places that we're working with. Um, we are working, we're starting to work with, uh, we found some amazing suppliers actually in China and people go like, huh, China? But um, what we're doing there is uh, we're bringing in kits and then um, I'm actually working with my accountant and my financial planner right now. We're setting up a scholarship fund through Darn Good Yarn um, so that it also um, benefits the workers there. Um so we have a lot of like very interesting, fun, uh, fun programs coming up soon with that. Um, and then we're also uh, working with a local uh, economic growth agency, and they um, are they're helping us uh, create a footprint in South America. Amazing! Yeah, I was. I mean, all of it, you know, doing such good things for like all over the world. I was watching your YouTube videos. I was stalking you online, doing some research. And I saw one of the videos where you were talking about, you know, start with love and your core values and principles. And then I heard you go like you and I talked about briefly over email, like the woo woo and attracting positivity. So how do you like, how can you like encourage other small businesses to do that? Like, what are some steps? Like if another small business was like, you know, I want to you know, help save the world one ball of yarn at a time, as I said, like, how can I get started? Like, what's a small step for a business yeah. to, do to help do that? It's, it's, I, I love that question so much. So, cause it hits, it hits in my heart. I, there's so many times when I mentor, um, uh, like female entrepreneurs and a lot of, and I started like this too. I'm like, Hey, we're just going to give a percentage back to some non-for-profit. Um, and that works, I think to a point, but you don't necessarily get the, um, I don't think it's as impactful as it could be if you sort of work it into your own business model. So one of the things that helped me out was I looked up and did a lot of research behind this concept of being a triple bottom line business. So, and a lot of people haven't heard of this, which is a shame. Um, it's measuring the, the success of your company 
based on, of course, your profitability. So it's three P's, your profitability, and then your impact on the planet, and then the impact on the people that are surround your business. And you can measure that through like your employees or the people um, with your supply chain. So what we've always tried to do was the people, like the planet portion kind of comes a little bit easy to us just because of the weird stuff we're sourcing and it's recycled. But in terms of the people, I think there are really easy wins um, to say, okay, how can we make the people's lives better that who are our suppliers or who are our employees? So an example of that is at our company, we have a pension plan and a profit share plan. And as a small company, that's a really hard thing to do because they're expensive. But I just try to say, okay, like, what is, like, if I was their mother, like, and I, maybe I'm overstepping being how I'm an, I'm an, I'm an employer, but I said, like, how would I want my child to be taken care of by their employer? And then I try to work different programs in around that. And it's just a step-by-step process. But when you have that be part of your core values, I really feel like it creates this, like, it just starts to build on itself. Like even down to like, we have, we have like corporate things now, like court cost reduction programs. And that actually links back to um, save the children. So when an employee comes to me and says, Hey, I have this idea to cut costs. It actually, I say, okay, you get a percentage of the cost savings. And then we also will sponsor a child for a specific amount of time in your name through save the children. So there's all of these like Again, I think it's just like being creative, but just putting your business hat on in that creativity. Um, I think it's a lot of these solutions are really right in front of us. It's just saying, hey, you know, if I can be creative in my business, like in my medium, if it's yarn or painting or whatever, I can also take that same creativity and apply that to business. And um, I think sometimes just being told you can do that, you're like, oh, a light bulb goes on and uh, that gets applied. Yeah, I think sometimes people get... I know I have, like, it's so caught up and, and just the minutia of running a business and they want to do, you know, good things for other people and for their employees and for the world and whatnot. But, you know, they're just barely keeping everything straight. I'm sure if you, and I don't know if you did this kind of reverse engineered a plan of, you know, this is the kind of business I want to run that does these kinds of things and then kind of backpedal it, you know, from there and break it out. I mean, it sounds like y'all are doing awesome things all the time there. Yeah, no. And I mean, like, it's, but I, I, you're exactly right. You backpedal it, but, and I think sometimes people get super intimidated because I mean, look, you turn on the news and it's like, oh, there's all this bad stuff. Like, where do I start? And I'm like, a mm-hmm. person. I'm like, let me fix all of this stuff. And like, I'm, I guess I'm using like the cost reduction program because it's, it's something that every business at a certain level starts to do. They say, okay, employees, like we need to cut costs. <laughs> and, um, because there's been like some waste or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, you can just tie that to a simple program, like, okay, sponsor a child through part of that. So it's just looking for, like, initiatives or things that you're normally going to do already as a business owner and say, okay, how can I sort of spice that up and have it really um, go back to my core values? Um, just like a, an artist would have a very set aesthetic, you can have that set aesthetic, which comes through your core values, sort of permeate through uh, your business model. And it sounds like you also probably, like here in the U.S., have to hire your employees based on, you know, sharing similar core values so that they're also, you know, that's an initiative for them to, you know, not only financially, but also like, you know, the good karma wise. Oh, I mean, like we've 
well, it's more me joking around here and people just thinking I'm crazy and they go, Haha, cult. but they're like, I, I've joked about like starting a cult and calling it the darn, the darn good church. Like we definitely, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, like, this is, this is how we roll. I've already picked out my frock of what I'm going to wear every day. We're going to burn our bras. Um, but yeah, like you need to surround yourself with people that sort of drink the Kool-Aid with you. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's awesome. I think it's like, it not only is it important, but, and you know, the fact that they get to feel like they're just like part of this bigger picture, I think it, it, you know, it's good for them. It's good for all the people you, you know, do good things for, and it's good for the company. I mean, it's a, it's a win-win all around. Yeah. And it's more fun. We, we all love coming to work with each other. Like we're, we're a pretty big family. Well, good. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's nice to have tangible steps you know sometimes you just think big picture like I'd like to do these things but then it's nice to have like well you know here's one thing you could do you know you hear about global warming and I think to myself like well what could I do on my own little on my own little baby level here in Austin Texas you know so it's nice to hear these things like as a business owner like well you could do step one and then from there you know just kind of kind of add to it so and and, and I don't mean to cut you off but like I think you know, women have this really beautiful ability to create community and family. Like that should be exuded. Like you can have that play out in in terms of how you build out your team. Like I'm all about trying to build family. Like that's what I love to do personally. I have my daughter and my husband. And so like, I think that there has been a play in terms of, um, there's been, there's a lot of masculinity around starting businesses Mm -hmm. and, sort of, it, it minimizes what I think women, a lot of women have intrinsically, like, oh, that's a, that's a female, like sort of part of our, um, personality. And that's not a business, that's not a business asset, but I, I'm here to tell you, like, that's not the truth. Like, I'm like, yeah, this, these are all of my great feminine attributes. And like, I have put them in force in the business. It just took a little bit of creativity because they're not things that are hailed on Shark Tank. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You just put a feminine spin on these integral parts to running, you know, a business of any type or size, like don't let the crafty part of it fool you. I mean, you obviously are very, very savvy in business as much as you are in, you know, yarn or crafts. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think a lot of us all have that. We all have that. We just don't realize we just tap into it more. Right. We just have to find it. Well, you know, and And speaking of that, when you and I were emailing, you said, like, and this is a quote, I'm really in love with getting women in particular fired up about starting businesses that are out to make a change in the world while still making money for themselves and their family. So that kind of, why does like doing like, you know, women in business in particular, like, why does that resonate so strong with you? Besides the fact, obviously that we're women, duh, but. Yeah. You know, and I never used to be like, honestly, I never used to be like a super girl power, you know, and I, and I, I consider myself a feminist now. Um, I just, I talk to so many amazing women. I have my own podcast as well. And it's been through interviewing the makers that interact with our brand who are making patterns for us and they have their own side hustle going on. And there's been this like thread where I don't want to say it's like lack of self-esteem, but they just haven't been empowered. I empowered. I hate that word. Cause it gets like, I think it gets overused. And so it loses. It's like what it really means. It's potency. But, um, you know, I, I really, I think that we're fewer steps to the dreams and, and making our lives the way we really want them to be 
to have these beautifully run businesses, even if they're run out of your house, you can still make, like I used to still make great money working just from my house. Um, I just want to continue to grow the business so I can expand my reach and what my goals were um, to help more people. But I just think that there aren't enough outlets and mentorship um, out there for women to see like, hey, this is also a very suitable business model that I can grow and, and have and have it be very healthy. And um, I think the social and economic impacts locally, like think about it, if someone has their side hustle on Etsy, right? And they can grow that to a place where they can employ their friend up the street as a part-time say admin assistant or create a job around that, like with customer service, you've now created two jobs. And if you do that in these small little places, it can have a humongous effect and really you have individuals, and I think moms are affected by this, especially of being underemployed. Um, that to me is just as bad as, as unemployment. Um, so I think the one of the answers to that um, problem is through promoting entrepreneurship and solopreneurship, specifically with with women. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, I mean, I wasn't so much because my dad was always like pushing the word entrepreneur on me. Like, I remember him like quizzing me on how to spell it as a child. But I think a lot of women just weren't raised thinking that was a viable option for them. Or, you know, like your job is like maybe you could have a little side hustle while you're also a mom. I think it's more and more I see it now, but I think it's just harder for us to envision ourselves as this, you know, big corporate entity or savvy business person or what have you. Cause we just weren't, there weren't a lot of mentors or people like you, you know, for a long time where they could like look to, or they weren't as visible, the people, the women that were doing it as say the men. Right. So I think now that we're seeing them more, like more and more women are like, Oh, I can do that. Like, I don't know about where you are, but in Austin, you know, Bumble is here, like Bumble biz and all that kind of yeah. stuff, like movement, like the pro women in business movement. Like there's a, I could go to a mixer networking event conference every night of the week about it if I wanted to. That, that, and I think, I think that's incredible. I think, you know, for women that are not in like larger metropolitan areas, I, I think that they do get a little disturbed. And I only speak from that because I lived in Maine for three years um, and it was very rural and there weren't a lot, like there weren't mixers like that. Like I would have killed to have that mm -hmm. network. So to be able to create it digitally, um, and doing things like this, you know, and have, and podcasts and, and featuring this thing, you know what this is, this is something that's thriving. The, the arts and crafts industry is a $44 billion industry. There's way more room for growth and people are going back to this, but these are very viable options. And, um, you know, if, if, through education, um, and mentorship, we can like really make an impact in like our fellow sisters lives. I don't want to, I don't mean to be kumbaya about it, but I, <laughs> I just, I've seen so many women who've come, who, who like, you know, just through like wholesale connections with us, like grow their businesses and they have like great income off of it. And like, that's amazing. And they're working from home and they're with their kids. Like, I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. A win-win. It's always, it's always a good thing when that happens. And that exactly one of the reasons why I started this podcast, like you, like I'm from a small town in Texas. And so it's like at the time, you know, when I was kind of doing like zines or, you know, selling jewelry at a garage sale, I would have loved to have known that like these kinds of things were possible as a living. I mean, there weren't podcasts back then, but that's one of the reasons I'm sure you do it and I do it is so that people that don't live in a city like Austin can know like your DIY business is a completely viable, like could make money for your whole family kind of business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of mentors, did you have any that you 
that really kind of helped you along the way or held your hand or inspired you when you got started with Darn Good Yarn? Yeah, I did not. Um, I had Audible. (laughs) (laughs) I I read read a ridiculous amount of books and blogs and things like that. Um, And when I was first starting out, it was no different. So I didn't really have that network. Again, like I was moving originally when I started Darn Good Yarn, I was moving a lot with my husband's job. So I never got to really settle into any one place um, and get deep into the community. So I was really like, I want to say self-taught. And now being in in central, I'm in the central New York region now, the capital region. um, And we were just named, by the way, the fastest growing company in the capital region. So I wanted... I, I'm always, I like to always do the mic drop. Like we beat out all the tech companies. We beat out all the boy companies. And I had a baby during that time. So I just like to always like, not like a brand. It's like, not like a humble brag. It's just like, this can completely be done. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Like, yes, um, you need to be fist pumping that. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. So um, once I moved here, I have found a network um, of other business owners and um that's been through this um, this organization called Entrepreneurs Organization, and that's been incredible. Um, and then, yeah, and just finding people that are dealing with the same things I'm dealing now with, like, you know, just running the day-to-day business side of things. Yeah, and sometimes, too, I think um, in small business groups, it's important to remember that it doesn't have to be – I mean, I'm sure the other people you're meeting with don't also run, like, a yarn company. Like – you know, I mean, at, at some basic level, business is business is business. And you can learn something from someone who has any type of business. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So just because there's not, I'm, I just don't want people to listen and be like, well, she's got these other like craft business people. Oh, and no. it's like, no, yeah. I mean, it's like if somebody else runs a business, you're going to, you're going to glean something from that interaction at, you know, within that organization, probably. And that's a great, it's such a great point because one of the things, and you just triggered it for me is I from the beginning and even now, I almost purposely don't surround myself with people in my industry. Um, and so like people are like, hey, have you heard of this person or this person? I'm like, I know I should, but I haven't because I'm focusing on what other industries are doing um, because I just think the way they're deploying technology is just incredible. And I, I think like that's how I can actually grow my company. Um, so I purposely put myself in uncomfortable situations when I am networking. Like, oh, you own a financial company like let's hang out I don't know what we're going to talk about but like let's like I want to hear about your business model and those sort of interactions get me thinking about again creatively how I can sort of darn good yarn that for my business yeah how to parlay that information that they may be using Mm -hmm. in a completely different industry yeah there's always something to be garnered or you know from that kind of interaction so you were talking about your husband a little while ago and that you were having to move around with your husband. So now does he work with full time for darn good yarn? This is my girl power thing. I bought him out in July. So he works for us full time. I love it. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. It's like my yeah. husband's like dream job slash worst nightmare. Yeah. You know, like we luckily do different enough jobs here um, that, you know, we just get to see each other in the hallway. Every once in a while, he smacks me on the butt and I'm like sexual harassment. And uh, that, that's about it. But yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, he, before this, he was an electrical engineer. He was on the road, you know, two thirds of the year sometimes uh, working crazy hours and that just like wasn't sustainable. So we had that sort of come to Jesus meeting with mm-hmm. him. <laughs> and so now he's here. Uh, now he's here 
full time, which is amazing because I have a two year old daughter. So she gets to see her daddy more often too. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. So how many employees do you have currently like there within the United States? And then like, how far along was your business when you hired your first yeah, employee? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, um, in total, I have 18 employees right now and we're, we've actually grown. So back in July, I had eight employees. So we have been hiring quite a bit here. Um, and I hired my first employee. I know people like to hear revenue numbers, I think, if they have their own businesses. So I'm happy to talk about that. So when I hit a quarter million dollars in gross sales, that's when, and that I have found has been the magic number for a lot of other businesses that I've consulted with to help them grow. Quarter million dollars is about the nice place to hire someone part-time with the ability for them to go full-time uh, once you bump that number up by about 20 or 30%. Um so that happened, like I said, like five, six years ago when I hired okay. the first. Man, you guys are growing. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. You were, what it was the accolade you said you just got the award? Like We were the fastest, fastest growing business in the capital region. Yeah, that's crazy. And then so many other places I saw like Inc and Fortune and all of those places. Um, so it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't surprise me that you're growing because you have subscription boxes and kits and a little bit of everything. So which, if you had to pick one of those, like what's your favorite thing that you guys currently sell? Oh boy. Um, that's a great question. You know, I do love our yarn of the month club because I designed that with me in mind, <laughs> just like everything else. Like we've done so little market research. I'm just like, Oh, this, I would like this. <laughs> uh -huh. And so, you know, I, lo I love it because it, like I was saying before, it just lets me craft for like the one or two hours that I have. And I get that sense of accomplishment um, because my life is like anyone who has a two-year-old, like, oh my God, they're crazy. And mine has red hair. So like <laughs> she takes up all of my time and she goes to bed at 11 o'clock. Like she, I think she was put here by one of my competitors or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't. Like I go like, wow, like how do you have this stamina? I'm exhausted. So in terms of the yarn of the month club, I, it's like, I can just sort of do this very quickly. I get my craft on and then I can go back to the rest of my world. And we really thoughtfully sourced what goes in there in terms of, you know, our recycled silk yarns. And, um, we have a really beautiful, um, private group that's associated with the club as well. And it's like super active and everyone's like, really positive in there. So I, I love that as well. That's a nice add-on bonus for it. Yeah. I love like those, like, like the little subscription boxes or the, this of the month club, like, you know, it's like you get a little present yeah, every it's month. 10 bucks a month. Like it's cool. Yeah. And I told, I mean, I have two small kids. I get it. Like I need something like here's a kit. It's fast. It's easy. You can do it like in the four minutes that you have before you have to make a chocolate milk. Like yeah. I need, I need this kind of crafts in my life for sure. Um, Real quick, I wanted to ask you about subscription boxes. Do you guys do unboxing videos? I'm just learning how, like, some people, like, love unboxing videos and some people, like, get really mad with a spoiler alert. Do y'all do those kind of videos? Yeah, we're all about, like, just spraying love. So if people, like, we do have um, some people do unboxing videos, like, mm -hmm. on YouTube and they go for it. And sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not great. And, um, and... Yeah, it's it's all good. It's and you know it's the internet. That's I guess the other 
the other little entrepreneurship thing. Like you're going to piss off someone and you're going to make other people really happy. So you just have to kind of go with what works for you. And again, what goes back to your core values? Exactly. You're never going to please everybody, no matter, no matter what. Um, all right. So I see you guys use Shopify, right? Did I see yeah. that you had the like wheel spinny thing? So yeah. do you, um, do you love Shopify? I hear a lot. I mean, your business is obviously way too big for like, an Etsy only platform, but do you love Shopify? I feel like a lot of like people that run handmade businesses or small businesses or craft related businesses feel like Etsy is like their only option. Like it's the only choice out there, but you know, there's other platforms like Shopify. Can you speak to that like a little bit? Yes. So, um, like Shopify is great for what it is. Um, they are best of breed right now. So if you are even thinking about slightly growing your business, I would tell you to go with best of breed, even if it's a little bit more expensive, because the cost down the road to what's called replatforming. So say you're on Etsy and you have to move everything over or you're on big commerce or whatever they, um, other platforms are. And we've tried out a bunch of them. Trust me. Like if you do grow significantly, um, you're paying thousands of dollars to move things over and then systems break and all of that. So I say like pay the money on the front end and get best of breed. Um, my personal thoughts about Etsy, Etsy is great to start to meet your customers, but I don't think Etsy should be anyone's end game. Um, and this is where I'm sure some people are like pause and like this bitch doesn't know what she's talking about. And that's <laughs> but I we do a lot in terms of digital marketing. You can't control a lot of the ways you can segment audiences and serve them the experience they want to actually have served to them um, through Etsy. You can do that through Shopify. You can do that through coding. And some people are like, well, I'm never going to code my website or do any of that. You don't know. I never set out ever to start a business the size of Darn Good Yarn. I started out to kind of like feed my craft itch I had and have it just sort of be a side business and it's grown into this. So I, I would just like, yeah, I guess that's a very long answer and I'm sorry, but like Shopify, you have just control over your domain. You have control over who's seeing what, how you're serving up like your ads and, and how you're actually tracking because tracking tells you so much of where people are coming from and what their behaviors are. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be able to track that. The old days of tracking that is having someone come in your store and you talk to them. If you give that to a third party like Etsy, you don't have that information available to you in the same deep way that you do on Shopify. Yeah. Or if you are giving them that information, that's not to say that they're using it directly for your store. You know, right. they're using it for like the broader thing. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I do have Etsy stores, but I have had my own websites, but I agree. It's always kind of that concept of building your house on rented property. Like you just never, yeah. you know, you never know what's going to happen with Etsy. I mean, it could go like how everybody's like anti-Facebook this week. You just, and plus Shopify lets you keep all your emails. There's just, it seems like a lot of you, you added can, bonuses. Yeah. You know, that's such a great analogy, building a house on rented property. Like that's, when you start to put some decent dollars behind Facebook, I mean, we've all done the Facebook boost where you're like, I'm going to spend $20. <laughs> like you uh -huh. want to know that that money you want, like for me, I want to know down to the penny, how that money was spent, who came on my website, where they were clicking, because then that tells me information. It helps me make them business decisions on what I can offer. 
Exactly. Yeah. And you just can't do that when you're going through third parties. Yeah. Third party. So it's just better to have it, have it all yourself for all that information. So you mentioned earlier that you have your own podcast, the made with love experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what kind of topics y'all cover and who are your guests? And yeah, so, um, we just started in December or November. doesn't matter, but, um, (laughs) but the, the whole premise of the podcast, they're like, I usually keep them to 30 minutes. Um, right now I'm interviewing, uh, all of the makers that are associated with our brand. So we have like a lot of patterns that come out. We have a free pattern Friday where we usually have two uh, free patterns come out. So those are all being done by, um, you know, knitwear designers and crochet designers. Um, So I'm interviewing them. And the whole premise of the podcast is to share their stories of how they've created success within their own framework. So again, going back to that idea where, you know, what's sort of fed to us in um, in sort of mainstream business media is, you know, you wear the suit, you go on Shark Tank, you sell a portion of your business away. Um, and I'm I'm arguing the fact that I, I think that there's a lot more in terms of creativity that defines success um, in the maker community. So we're just sort of unpacking that. And, you know, we cover things like my first episode was all about breastfeeding and you know how people like the, the one person that was on my show, how she would be breastfeeding and then still crocheting her things. And I, you know, and I was going through the same thing. I'd be on conference calls with the same sort of issues. So we go from there. Others actually go into how people manage their depression and um, anxiety issues that have sort of lingered through their whole life. And then how they're also managing their side hustle as well and their families. So we kind of get into deep topics um, and then everywhere in between. So it's a nice, it's a nice wide gamut. So everybody go and subscribe and Thank take you. a listen right after this episode. So what are your thoughts on how a podcast can augment a business? Like I'm not, I know you didn't start it specifically just to, you know, augment darn good yarn, nor did I start creative queso to kind of, you know, build up my creative content designing business. But like, how do you think a podcast could like help spread the message or augment a business? Um, I, you know, I, it's a great question. I want to say I just really went into it as a personal project. Mm -hmm. So again, using that creativity, like I try to like turn off what I hear, why everyone else is starting podcasts. Like I really wanted to get to know the people that are are helping build our brand and help build their brands as well. So going into it more uh, with that, mindset. Like these are people that might not be spending what I'm spending in Facebook or on advertising. So if I can help them get their name out and help them grow their business, it winds up, you know, the tide makes all boats rise. uh, Sort Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking to myself, like you sound like you're of the, the similar vein. Have you seen that picture floating around on the internet that I'm going to misquote it. I'm trying to pull it up. It's a dress from the, this the current runway season and it has a Frida Kahlo quote on it that says I am my own muse and I feel like and I love that quote but I feel like you mentioned earlier like you were talking about the yarn of the month club and you were like well we haven't done a lot of research it's just what I like and then I bet the people that you're talking to on your podcast just like the people I'm talking to on the podcast are people that I'm interested in or I want to know about you know and you just kind of hope that that, you know, that other people want to know this answers to the same questions that you do. It sounds kind of like that's the 
trajectory of your podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, I know like the, the idea of core values sounds so stale and corporate and like, I get it. Like I think it's like, blah. but when you really re- dig down and say, hey, these really are my core values and then you apply it to your business and then I say, okay, like I want to, I want to do thoughtful sourcing. And even if that means thoughtful sourcing with our content, that's, that's what that means. So I'm sort of operating my business from going back to these things that I feel who I like, it's who I am as an individual. And then I can just translate that into my business uh, through, through that medium. Yeah. It sounds like you really put your money where your mouth is and like deliver that, that same like core value through all of your, all of your mediums and platforms, which is awesome. All right. So we are wrapping up, but I have three kind of quickie questions for you here at the end. So are you on team knit or crochet? Like I just find that most people I know that are yarn people have like one or the other, you know, like, do you have a preference? Can you do both? Um, I tried crochet. I just, yeah, I, I, it's not, it's not my shtick. I'm a knitter all day, every day. Yeah. No, I find it, like I said, I find that people like tend to, it's not that they can't do both or they like dislike one or the other, but they definitely have like a preference. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, well, it's a little bit like gang wars. I mean, I, I actually like, I find, yeah, but like people do do both, but like, it's sort of like the skier snowboarder thing. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're on one team or the other, like pretty much, even if you can do both. All right. So the next question is, who are some of your favorite companies that are also doing good in the world? Um, Tom's, I mean, I, it's so cliche, but they are the trailblazers for really this conscientious capitalism and triple bottom line framework that I think a lot of companies like mine uh, work off of. Um yeah, I'd say I'd say them and Patagonia also has really great in, in the way they're looking through looking at transparency in their supply chains. Um, we really look to that model as well and try to emulate that here when we're sourcing our products. Oh, amazing. Good. Good to know. Yeah, I love Tom's as well, but I'm not that familiar with Patagonia. I was thinking of I think it's a national brand, Noonday. Do you know them? Oh, Noonday. Oh my gosh. Amazing company. Yeah. Yeah. And then here we also have a company, a storefront called Raven and Lily, and she does kind of similar things to all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So in my last question, which has nothing to do with yarn, is do you have queso there in central New York? Um we don't. <laughs> Look at that. You're the first. No, like I've talked to people like in Chicago and around in Brooklyn and they were like, yeah, we have it. So there's not like, like you couldn't like roll up and find queso if you wanted to. Like, I, okay. I should, we can, but it's not good. Like it's kind of gross. So it's, I don't know. We well, can. It's probably, it's probably sure not that. like it is here where it's like, that would be like saying like, there's not like air or sparkling water I, like yeah, Austin, yeah, like, we I would be like what i think what they serve is like tostitos out of a jar and then they upcharge you so oh <laughs> probably or like heating up that like cheese dip that comes like in the jar like at the grocery store like here you go <laughs> enjoy well okay well nicole thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me i feel like i just want to like go and like think about how I can do better with what I'm doing and what I've got and make a difference. Yeah. And you know, if any, if any of your listeners have like really specific questions, I'd be happy to help facilitate with you like a webinar or something. Um, if they wanted to dig deeper in growing themselves, like more entrepreneurially, like I really, I am truly passionate about this and I think it's, 
such an easy win to create like a better world in such a really easy way. No, yeah, it, it comes across in your business and in talking to you. You seem just as amazing via podcast as you do like <laughs> online. So I'm color me impressed. Like you have a definite like new fan down here in Texas. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Can Nicole Snow and Darn Good Yarn save the world one ball of yarn at a time? I kind of feel like she might be able to, or she's at least on the right trajectory to start. One thing is for sure, she is starting at love and setting an amazing and inspiring example for other small business owners. The key to her success might be karma. Nicole is clearly putting out into the world positivity, kindness, and integrity, which is coming back to her tenfold as it should. With a head for business and a heart for doing right by the world, Darn Good Yarn should be your new favorite store. Find Nicole at DarnGoodYarn.com and at DarnGoodYarn on Instagram. Also, be sure to subscribe to Nicole's podcast, The Made with Love Experiment. Don't forget, through the end of March 2019, use code CREATIVECASO10 for a free month membership to the Yarn of the Month Club. You'll just have to pay the shipping. I don't even knit or crochet, and I want some of that colorful yarn in my life. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Is your head and your heart as full as mine is? This is one of those episodes where you really need to take notes because there is so much great advice. Until next week, remember you can find me at Creative Queso on Instagram or at Jennifer Perkins if you're feeling crafty. If you love this episode, please leave me a review in iTunes and share it with a friend. This information is too good to keep to yourself. Shout out to my producer, Mariah Gossett, for making me sound smooth and my better half, Chris Beck, for the music. And I'll see you next time.